This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 19. We are building a religion, we are building it bigger, we are widening the corridors and adding more lanes, we are building a religion, a limited edition, we are now... Hi and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, this is episode 19 at the end of February, 
And uh, this week, every week at, at iFanboy, we read a bunch of comic books, and then one of our staff of three uh, will write up a review on the site, and there you can go discuss it. And then we'll also record the podcast uh, that you're listening to, which you probably don't need me to explain it to, since you are, in fact, listening to it. Anyway, uh, this week, uh, it's me and Connor. And, Hello. Uh, Connor's got the pick of the week, and he went with what? Ultimate Wolverine and the versus the Hulk. Issue two. Based on that title, I would never, I never would have bought that or thought it would be any good. Well, that's why I didn't buy issue one. But um, this week, when I went to the comic book store, I only literally had four books, and I don't like to leave that empty-handed because I don't feel like it's even worth the walk at that point. <laughs> so I um, isn't the comic book shop across the street from where you work? W- one of them. Oh, but, oh okay, yeah. right. You don't go to that one. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so sis- sitting on the rack were. Was this comic and the first one? And I remember Ron, who who couldn't make it this week, um, said that he really liked it, issue one. And I figured, hey, I got, you know, nothing to buy. I'll I'll check them out. And they were actually kind of they were pretty good, to be honest with you. It was written by Damon Lindelof, who is one of the co-creators of the show Lost, which seems to have a very heavy comic book connection in terms of the people who work on that show. Jeff Loeb works on it now. Paul Denny worked on it previously, and now this guy Lindelof is getting into comic writing. J.J. Um, Abrams was uh, he was going to be a Superman guy for a while. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This is, so Lost is very and plus they have that that plot point in the show about the, the Flash Green Lantern comic book, which we're not even going to get into here. But in Spanish. Right. So there's a lot of comic bookiness in Lost, and this is this is I have to say I don't know if this is his first comic book writing experience, but it's he's really he's really got the format down. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times writers who come across from different mediums or medias media uh, takes a while for them to get the just get the style down the format down they're either too wordy or not wordy enough or they just don't they don't get the feel for it i think i don't think joss whedon really had it for a while when he started writing comics but this mm-hmm. this guy seems to have it pretty down pretty well cool in fact i'd be surprised if this wasn't his first his first comic book job but basically the story for this this miniseries is in the ultimate's book the hulk Rampage through New York, killed a bunch of people, and they, uh, Shield supposedly executed him, but not really. He didn't die. Um, either through just because he's the Hulk, and he had even a nuclear bomb would kill him, or because, you know, he was their friend, and it'd be hard to execute a friend even for that sort of thing. So, in this in this miniseries, they people in the government find that the Hulk is still alive. They find evidence that he's still alive. All these natural disasters throughout the world that were clearly Hulk-related. They find some Hulk poop, and they test this DNA, and they find this, the Hulk. And so Does they Hulk send... poop look like regular poop, or is it giant or green? Or... It's giant and green, and had a finger, undigested finger in it. <laughs> so I guess he ate someone. That's a, that's a poop joke. Yeah. So <laughs> they, get, they, they get Wolverine to hunt down the Hulk and kill him. And the first issue started off after the Hulk and Wolverine fight, and then it bounced back to the beginning to find out how... Uh, the story started off, and the second issue starts off with the execution, basically Hulk's flashback. It's sort of like the episode of Lost in, in that it's it's told mostly through flashbacks, where we, we haven't actually got to the point of the confrontation between the Hulk and Wolverine. It happens right at the very end of this comic. Mm. So the next issue, you would imagine, would be the fight that ended with the first scene in issue one. Which was him getting ripped in half. Right, which is actually pretty cool looking. <laughs> this is a good time to mention the art by Lanille Francis Yu, who's who's really good. 
He drew the um, Superman Birthright miniseries. I don't know if you bought that or not. I I didn't. Um, didn't at all. But he's really good. He's a really good draftsman. And uh, he did something I read before, but I got I don't, I got if I remember what it is. It's it's X Men thing. It's kind of sketchy in that in that sketchy sort of Jim Lee way, but it's not. It's it's a bit cleaner and it's good. Hmm. He's a really good. He's a, and he draws big, scary Hulk well. Um, and I, it's just a very very fun comic. There wasn't a lot of competition this week, to be honest. But it was it was a weak week. Yeah, I, I think I I got two books. I was on the phone with you. I was in the comic shop. <laughs> Right. I'm walking around and, and, and I realized just before I hung up because I said I, I don't want to be the guy on the phone in the comic shop. And After about 20 minutes we were already up the don't, phone. Don't be the guy in the, in the comic shop on the phone. But I looked up and I go, God, I've, been, I've circled these racks twice. I have two books. What do I do about this? And you said you've only got four and I thought, well then, I, what am I going to do? You don't buy Astonishing X-Men, do you? No. Did you not like it the first time around or did you not buy I never it bought time? it. I I've again you know you get burned by X Men enough times. I think you would actually like this, um, and I think you should if you if you find yourself in a situation again this week where, or this coming week where you don't have a lot of books and you're looking mm-hmm. to just check something out, check out Astonishing X Men 13 because it's 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 a jumping on point. It's it's starting over from um, the last the last sort of arc that Whedon and Cassidy did is over, and this is starting over new. And I think Cassidy you might still like draw it. it? Yes. Hmm. I actually think you would like it. It's not It's not annoying X-Men, because you know I don't have any patience for that either. Right, and you've been reading it for 13 issues. Right. Wow. All right, I'll try it. Try it. You give heard, it if, if you don't like you it, you, it only, you only lose one issue. Okay. But I'll do um, that. If it's good, I can... Is there a trade? There must be a trade. There's a trade of the first of the first 12 issues, yeah. So okay. the first six, then the next six. But there's definitely an Astonishing X-Men trade. I heard I it's a very good seller. I did have two good books, though. What were they? Lucifer... Uh, seventy-one, and this book has got to be just about over. I know that you don't you don't read this, but um, no. But I think I'm going to get into it in trade form. The whole thing has sort of just come together, and it's just about ending. And I can't quite tell when it's going to end, but it sort of feels like it's going on a slow downhill sort of progression at this point to, to come to the end. Basically, like downhill in a good way, or no, yeah, in a good way. Like like it's winding down, right? But but like the I think the climax of the overall story arc has happened already, and now we're in sort of like like the last bit of Return of the King, which some mm. people don't like and some people did. And then uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, which it was, was all right. just uh, yeah, and, but you know Spider-Man running through the city, lots of stuff blowing up, Vulture, Wise talking, you know, it's it's what it's what you get, it's what you want in these things. I was I was wondering about this actually looking at Ultimate Spider-Man because it has been ninety issues. And that's pretty I, I impressive. can't believe that. And it's from 90 issues of just Brett Bendis and Mark Bagley, mm-hmm. which is also impressive. And I wonder, I mean, Ron is always talking about the Holy Grail mark, which I've never, you know, it's, I guess it's a big Marvel thing, but the uh, Fantastic Four run of consecutive issues, which is like the benchmark for... How many is that? It's like 104 issues, something like that. And I wonder if that's what they're heading towards, because you got to figure Mark Bagley's getting tired of doing this. They put these out like two a week, right? It feels like it. You have this comic book in front of you right now? Yes. Okay, I want you to flip through it until you get to the Haynes ad. Oh, the, 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 Wolverine. the Wolverine Haynes ad? I thought of that when I, when I was reading it. I mean, I really hate to keep coming back to this, but this is awful. a perfect example of the worst one I've ever seen. Or, or at least the worst one I've seen recently. First of all, he's got funky hips. Yeah, he's got... Well, the the... It's if it was naked one, and this is a paste over. <laughs> it's, it's an ad... If you, if you don't seen it, it's, it's an ad for boxer shorts, and there is... A drawing by what I can only assume is a junior high schooler, right? 
where like the proportions are way off and the coloring is done by I guess Lynn Varley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, very finely. Well, she's getting uh, better. If that's, if that's I guess so. And and there's there's it's an ad for Wolverine boxer shorts by Haynes, and it says at the top, "My boxers, bub." And it's just awful. Like, it, why would you put this in a comic book where they can see that the art could be a billion times better? But, yeah, because across across the page, you've got art that is a billion times better. Yeah, and it's bad, and it, it, it does look like it's one of those things where you can. You know, one of those things with drawings of bodies you can try different clothes on. Mm-hmm. It looks like looks like they just stuck the shorts on. It doesn't fit the drawing. Flip about three more pages. Okay, the Superman and Friends. Spider-Man cups. and Friends. Sippy cups. Insulated no spill cups. With the little baby looking uh, Spider-Man and and all of them. Hulk and thing, and these are sippy cups. Once again, I thought of that too because. We've we've talked about the ads in the last two podcasts, so they're, they're like on my brain now when I read them. Right, and I thought I, I I remember distinctly getting to this page and going, "Oh, it's exactly." So if you have, and everybody probably has this issue, so it's a good thing to illustrate it. Now, finally, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this. But wait, um, before you get to the next one, sure. Who is the super? I mean, the Spider Girl in this ad. You see uh, her? Oh, I don't look, know. Look on the left, and she's in the uh, yeah. Top. I see. I like how Captain America's blonde eyebrows pop through his mask. I have, Wolverine, I, Wolverine's a cutie pie. God, that's awful. That's awful. It's terribly awful. <laughs> Let's not talk about this anymore. Um, Ever again. There wasn't really a lot of... Uh, Batman ended with um, wrapping up the whole Jason Todd storyline before we get to um, the start of one year later. So is it actually Jason Todd? Yeah, it's him. Um, <laughs> yeah. He... <laughs> I mean, it was a really well done story. The art was good. The writing was good. I just, it's just, I don't understand why. I think, I, I think it might be explained in the whole Infinite Crisis story because a lot of dead people popped up right before it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good in the fact that if you, if I can put aside my biases, it was interestingly done. I mean, Jason Todd was killed by the Joker back in the eighties, and this, in this issue, he's got the Joker kidnapped, and he wants to get revenge. And, um, it was very psychologically done. I mean, in, that, in that sense, it was good. I just, I just disagreed with with the whole plot. Right. I mean, Batman put a batarang in Jason Todd's neck rather than have him, let him kill the Joker. He killed him, or he just disabled him a lot. Well, he hit him in the neck. There's a lot of blood. He goes down on his knees, and then, um, the issue ends. I've wondered about that so many. Like seriously, like I know that Batman's got his thing. Don't kill him. But come on, he's a pragmatist. He's a realist. It's time to let the Joker die. Well, that's the whole thing. He's, he's such, just going to come back and kill him on the roller coaster thing, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just uh, I know certain people who, who visit our website disagree with me because I've gotten yelled at about it, but uh, I just didn't think that was a good idea. You didn't think it, the Jason bringing, Todd was... bringing him back? Yeah. No, I know. I just wondering in the larger picture, like over and over and over again. Like I understand Batman wants to not kill people to do it. I think the Joker he deserves to kill him. He I certainly mean, I know deserves it would end it. the stories, but... But if you look at... I mean, from, from a sense of... Yes, he deserves it. Batman would never let it happen simply because he's such... In a state of arrested development. He's just he's still that boy who doesn't want to see anybody die no matter who they are. Really? Is that it? Mm-hmm. That's a very good explanation. Inside, deep inside, he's still the eight-year-old boy who doesn't want to see anyone die. Huh. That's, no that's the best explanation I've ever heard from this. Is that something you've read or is it something you've inferred over many years? Uh, both. Or did, 
Okay, who? Well, oh, that's that's a good story point. I never thought of that. Yeah. Look at you. No matter how no matter how irrational it may be, that's that's he's he's never really grown up from that point. <laughs> huh. I like that. I was uh, I was in a I found myself in a Tower Records last night. I had nothing to do, and I picked up a, an issue of Wizard. Uh-oh. I guess it was the newest it wizard. I, was like, I haven't looked at this in a while. And I literally looked around and I was like, I hope I don't see anybody I know. Because <laughs> there was, there's, there was, there's one person I know who could have been in the area and it would have seen me and given me shit for it. Right. And I was like, literally, literally looked around for a little bit. But anyway, I'm flipping through it and I see um, an article. It was like a blurb. It said, who will die in Smallville's 100th episode? And I thought, oh, this is terrible. Was this a new <laughs> issue? It, I, it was March. That's was, awful. They only had one left. It was the one that was on the shelf that was like, oh, but that's... I mean, That was a month ago. I know. I mean, it's possible it was one of the old ones that was sitting in the back of the thing. But anyway, they got to the bit where they were showing some of the um, some of the uh, uh, DC reboot titles. Right, the one later stuff. I was pretty interested in them. I think I that's mean, some I interesting am. stories might come out of them. I just, like, I was like, those look like good teams on some things. And the, the Superman book and the Batman book. and the, I, I'll, I'll get into that for a little while. Is I think I'll probably end up picking up more titles than I normally would just to sample some of the new stuff and then yeah. weed out what I don't like. Is there anything you're really looking forward to? Um, I'm really looking forward to the Superman stuff. Mm-hmm. Even, I keep coming back like a battered wife to the Superman reboots, but they've got good teams on it. Jeff Johns and Kurt Basiek, and I think one of the Kubert brothers is drawing it. Mm-hmm. One of the books. Um, I lose track of those guys. Yeah, one of them's drawing Detective and one of them's drawing one of the Superman books. I'm definitely and, uh, in for Detective. And I'm in for Detective, and they had a Batman Detective with Paul Dini and Grant Morrison I'm definitely in for. Um, and just, I'm I'll, I'm curious about Aquaman, also with Kurt Busiek, mm-hmm. because he's sort of, he's taking it in a fantasy direction. I, I don't think I'll go that with that one. Mm-hmm. Well, eh. I don't know. I need to get a full listing. I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't have the full list. Are you going to buy 52? Yes. 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 Now that's one issue a, a, a week for a year. Yes. <laughs> I know. <sighs> I I kind of want to see if they can pull it off. It's yeah. It's the same art team in every issue. I would think not. That would be amazing. It would be. It would have to be Sergio Aragonés or whatever his name is. <laughs> that, that guy's, guy's got fast. too much. He's got too much mustache. I saw him draw at a convention. He's really quick. I, I think I think Bagley could probably do it. <laughs> Maybe wouldn't, they... be, wouldn't be any good. <laughs> he could do it. Oh jeez. Well, oh. the other—I uh, mean, that's pretty much it for comics. This pers- past week was pretty slow. That sounded like an audio edit, by the way. It wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> that was just my naturally halting speaking style. Um, the other big news this week in the comic world was um, this weekend was the New York City Comic Con, which they haven't had a major New York comic convention in 15 years. So it was pretty big news here. There's a lot of press about it. Uh, the, the, comic, the comic industry has somewhat of a presence in New York City, from what I understand. Right. All the offices are here. A lot of the <laughs> creators are here. Um, they have the a lot of big name guests. There. All the superheroes work here. Um, and I went Friday night after work, and I was surprised to see it was pretty full Friday night. Um I only was there for about an hour because I had to I had to go after work and it closed at eight, um, so I only made it for about an hour, a little bit more than an hour. And I walked walked the floor just check check it out. I had some questions about the layout personally because I we've been to a lot of conventions, most mostly in San Diego, the, which is the big 
flagship convention. Uh, but I also went to the one in Philadelphia a few years ago. Oddly uh, enough, which is gigantic, but usually pretty damn well run. Right. Oh, San Diego's is is extremely well run for the size. And what fifty thousand people go that weekend? Well, that was a couple of years ago. I think we're past that now. Right. For the size, it's amazingly efficiently run. Um, mm-hmm. But New York, the one I, when I went Friday, um, I went to the convention floor and I was surprised at how small it was. I think it was the same room they had previously used fifteen years ago. Um, and well, right fifteen you, years ago was nineteen ninety. Books were selling then, so they thought. I think it was right before the boom. Yeah. But the when you walked in the entrance way, the DC booth was right there. Across from which was the Marvel booth, which I thought was a major mistake, because if you're gonna you, you're gonna have just just the, the nature of the just, business, you're gonna have the majority of the people at those two booths most of the time. Right. Big snaking lines of people waiting for sketches and signatures. If you mass them all, not only next to each other, but at the entrance to the convention, mm-hmm. that's a logistical problem. Not only the fact that if you want to get people, it's the supermarket mentality. You know, people want. People have to buy milk, so you put the milk on the back of the store, so they have to get to the store through the store to buy the milk and buy other things along the way. Mm-hmm. If you put DC Marvel in the back, people have to get to every other booth, um, at least walk past them. And it just it at least can you know decongests the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. So Friday was actually pretty full, and in, in, even in the, some places were hard to get through. And I thought, wow. Um, first, I wasn't expecting this many people on a Friday. Second, I hope um, Saturday isn't a madhouse. <laughs> Ironically enough, so Saturday I go midday, and um, right away I knew there was a problem. I <laughs> I walked into the convention center, and the, the night before this, the atrium area was completely empty. It was it was literally not a single person in there. And I walk in, and right away there's a massive crowd. I'm bad at estimating crowd sizes and age and height, but I thought this is at least <laughs> there, there are approximately sixty thousand people, about twelve feet tall apiece. I'd say 85 years old. Yes, exactly. And it, it was at least 500 people in the atrium. I've come to find out later, it was way more than that. It was w- mm-hmm. well over 1,000. Oh. Um, and I thought, wow, that's a really long line. This is going to suck for them to have to wait to get their, their tickets. I walked to the stairway to walk downstairs to the entrance, and it was completely roped off, and there were firemen everywhere, and there was police, and there was uh, security people from the convention center, and they had shut down the convention. Not shut it down, but they had shut down any further access to the convention. And I thought, oh, this <laughs> this is not going to be good. First, I thought, oh, if, if I can't get in, I'm going to be annoyed. Second, um, this is just this is a nightmare. I I, I thought it would ha- I thought there might be problems the night before, but I, I had never even considered the fire marshal shutting down the convention. And it's important to note that. There was probably a time where you'd get there and you go, oh, wow, it's really crowded, it's fun. I think we're past that. Oh, yeah. I think I think we're at the point now where, like, if there's any much line standing of any kind, if there's jostling in the aisle with people, it's probably not going to be worth it. And there's a time where I would have stood in line to go meet somebody or see somebody talk. And not anymore. I'm right. past that. And added to the fact that it's wintertime in New York, so everybody's wearing winter clothing. It was really hot in the convention floor even hotter in the panel rooms, including I read today one of the panels had to be stopped halfway through because it was just too unbearably hot. Really? Yeah. Um, all that body heat, all the coats, hats. There was coat, There was large coat check areas that nobody was using. People did use, I think mostly people who were working in the convention. Mm-hmm. But most of the people I saw walking around who were just 
guests didn't use them. Um, it, it was just it was horribly run up and down from top to bottom. Well, but I, I had a press pass because we, we we run our website, so I got in fine. <laughs> the biggest joke ever. Thank um, you, press pass. The I, I ran into two people there I knew. One was a girl from college who I hadn't seen in like seven years, and I randomly saw her online and talked to her. She and her friends had come down from upstate New York, and they were pissed, obviously, because they had traveled quite a distance. They weren't getting in. They were told they could get. They'd have to accept refunds. Um, another guy I ran into was a guy who I work with. And he was already. He had come early, so he was already in the convention. Here was the problem: the convention floor, where all the booths and exhibitors and dealers are, is in one room. The panels are in a completely different section of the building. If you left the floor to go to a panel, you couldn't get back into the floor. <laughs> Well, you could, but there was a line that was as long as the line of people getting refunds, and you mm-hmm. would be let in as people left. They would let more people in, like a you know one for one thing, like a like at a club. Right. So, uh, but they didn't tell you that when you left. Uh-huh. When you left the floor, no one said, "Well, if you leave the floor, you can't get back in." So people leaving the floor expecting to be able to return couldn't. What did tickets cost for a day? I think it was like twenty five dollars. Jesus. Um. So you had a lot of angry, angry people, and I went around and talked to a bunch of them. I talked to this uh, father and son, um, who, and they were just really—they were angry so much as they were just really, really, really. That sounds like real journalism, Connor. Well, I figured I'd (laughs) use it—I wouldn't abuse the press pass privilege. Um, They were just really, really disappointed. I bet it was kind of made me sad. Like they weren't angry; they were just—they were—they were were disappointed. Like they really wanted just to be in, and we were standing at window. There was a window you could look overlook into the convention floor that wasn't in the area that was blocked off, and they were just they were they were just watching down, you know, so close yet so far. They could they were just really sad that they couldn't get in. And, uh, <laughs> and there was the a lot of generation of comics readers is lost. <laughs> and I just I was astounded, um, just by the poor poor planning. Who who ran it? Do we know? Reed, um. Richards. Yeah, Reed Richards. Doom! <laughs> uh, I have it here. Reed, Reed Exhibitions ran it. Huh. And the unofficial estimated crowd uh, for Saturday was 20,000. The, ca- the capacity for the room was 10,000. Jesus. And they were they had been hoping for 20,000 spread out through the entire three-week three week event. Oh. Um, and I have to say, once you got into the floor, it, it was no picnic. That just seems absurd because of just, I mean, it's it's New York City. And it's a big convention hall. They just were booked in the small room to the side. There's a big main floor where they have, you know, like car shows, boat shows and things. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge room which would have, which would have worked, but they were booked in the little, the little side room, hall room. You'd think, though, that with, like, the history of San Diego and they look at that and go, well, maybe, maybe it would have cost them more and they couldn't afford it ahead of time. This is New York. I mean... You got one of the densest populations, not not to mention the surrounding areas, which hasn't had a major convention in 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're dying for something to do. Exactly. So, you you would think they would say, well, maybe we should book a big room. Uh, we're we're advertising that Kevin Smith and Frank Miller and all these people are here, are coming. Peter Scolari, other people like that, <laughs> and. You for think, those of you, for those of you unaware, uh, he had he had a supporting turn on the show Newhart, 
and he co-starred with Tom Hanks in Bosom Buddies in the early 80s or late 70s. And he had a booth, which I don't know why, and I was too, <laughs> I was too scared to talk to him. That's so sad. But I didn't want to feel like I, I didn't want him to think I was being patronizing. You know, he just watches he just watches Tom Hanks Oscars acceptance speeches over and over again and cleans his gun. <laughs> <laughs> I watched him interact with people. It was perfectly nice. I just don't understand why he was there. But um, it was just—it was terribly run. There was all event. There was like the vending machines run out of drinks. There was there was maybe two or three scattered water fountains. If you left the, if you left the floor to go to the bathroom, you couldn't get back in. It was oh my god. It was just it was just a That's joke. Absurd. I, so I felt I, I left Saturday really angry at the whole experience because I was embarrassed, embarrassed for the city, embarrassed for. Um, just to be involved in any any way in any kind of official capacity, mm-hmm. even minorly, I felt bad that I had this badge that let me walk around freely because people were wa- standing in line and weren't able to get in. Um, you felt bad, but awesome at the same time. True, true. <laughs> um, they were saying exhibit- exhibitors only. Everyone else, you know, leave. And I just walked up to the lady and showed her my badge. She said, "Okay, press two. Nice. But I actually read in an article today from one of the other comic book websites that. Um, exhibitors and professionals weren't being allowed back in, and I, I found, from my personal experience, I find that to be bullshit. They were letting anybody in who had a badge that wasn't just just a normal person. So, so who who was there? I mean, did was it just like did they have the the image booths, or did they have like the like the indie a, area that has you was, know where? It was okay. well. First, one more thing before we talk about that is the size. Um, in San Diego, they have these big spacious aisleways. Mm-hmm. I think they're ten to twelve feet, from what I read. Um, the, the, these aisles at the most were eight feet, mm-hmm. and in the artist alley, in it, there was an artist alley that that ran along one of the side walls, mm-hmm. which is where artists have their little tables where they sketch big name people too, um, ranging from indie to to big name artists, mm-hmm. and like Steve McNiven and people like that. Right. And uh, that that aisle was even skinnier. I think that might have been even six feet, and that's where you get the big lines people who wanted sketches. And when you had that happen. That aisle was completely impassable. Huh. Plus, you had idiots with dragging around their comic collections on carts. Don't do this, people. There was a lot of them. I got I, a, I got a picture of one, and then I ran because he looked right at me as I took it. The good <laughs> thing about the crowd was you could disappear into it. Um, I forget. I went to a signing at one point, I'm trying to think of what it was, but like, I brought I think a book or two. Mm-hmm. And somebody else had brought every book that this person had ever done. Yes, and I'll admit when I was when I was, you know, fifteen years ago at the cons when they had them in New York, I I was one of the people that did that. But I was were these know, people carrying their collections around fourteen years old? No, no, they weren't, were they? But I was, you know, thirteen when I did that. I think that's acceptable, but not, you know, I think they were dealers. Ugh, that's so. Annoying. I think they were guys who owned stores and were getting them sold because they had a team. I fo- I kind of followed one of them around, and they had like a team of guys. Going around to the different lines to get stuff signed. I feel I think that that's one of the worst worst like uh, offshoots of of the eBay thing is that from, right. you know this applies to all sort of collectors markets and things like that. But now because of eBay, like you you don't really get a benefit of going to these places. No. To get your own special thing that, that only you can get because it gets clogged up with all these people who are just there to try to get the signatures and sell them, and that just makes the creators and the people who are signing them more bitter, and they don't want to do it. And then, you know, which I'm sure goes into sports and it goes into oh, sports as a collectible industry is like I read like seventy percent of it is is fake. 
<laughs> most of the stuff you people buy is has been has been fraud, you know, fraudulent. <laughs> and <laughs> and I don't see how you can trust anything like that. Even well, I remember, you know, a lot of these things have certificate of authentications, and I remember as a kid I was there. Um, this is one of the last ones because I remember it quite clearly. Um, and I just gotten Jerry Ordway to sign a book. And this is this is another thing is back then you got books signed, you never got sketches. Now it's all about sketches, and I feel like uh, that's too bad for the pencilers because <laughs> I'm sure their hands go numb by the end of the night. But um, I've seen some half-assed sketches. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> uh, I just remember I w- we 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 were waiting after getting a signed book, and there was a table, and there was just a stack of certificate of authentication sitting there. So I mean, those things aren't those things aren't even reliable. <laughs> I could have just taken a stack and then signed a bunch of books and stick a, stuck a certificate in there and sold it. You know, so, I do. That whole idea is dumb. But as you were asking before, that there was a, you know, the Marvel booth, the DC booth, the Dark Horse booth. Um, I now that I think about it, I don't even remember seeing an Image booth. <laughs> That's weird. There's a Powers booth. Um. Powers Booth. Powers Booth was there. <laughs> From Tombstone? He was next to, he was next to Peter Scolari. <laughs> and um, there was there was not as much of a manga presence as there is in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was it was most... Where in San Diego you get, I would say, at this point, even 50% of the convention floor is manga, anime, and, and yeah. movie, movie stuff. I would say it was, it was a very small percentage of this. It was mostly comics. So this comic. was mostly comic-centered then? Yes. That's interesting. Um... But you had a lot of people that in in that manga section. Did you still. did you buy anything? I didn't buy anything. Did you get any comics? No. Damn, they didn't work their black magic on you. No, I I thought about it, but then every time I would stop to look, because there was a guy selling fifty percent off trades. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I would stop, I would get slammed in the back. I would get shoved around just for a crowd of people, and it wasn't a it wasn't an atmosphere that invited you to browse. Right. You sort of had to have a mission and move. With purpose, like Baldini, and just go where you needed to go and get out. <laughs> it just wasn't a good atmosphere. It was hot. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't stop anywhere. It didn't. I was. I was. I was angry for, when I left. Angry and embarrassed, and it just. It wasn't a good atmosphere. People. People I talked to didn't have a lot of fun. You know. It was. It was a disaster. It was a down week, is what you're saying. It was a downer. That's unfortunate. It was a downer. And we and I and two people from our website who live in the area who had said they were going to go. I see they posted on on the thread I had written about the convention. Um, two of them could not get in. There were two of the people that got that got turned away. Darrell and Seth. Seth's prepaid. Um, he bought the weekend pass, and he couldn't get in Saturday, and he's he's not even going to try Sunday. Oh, that's such. That's really that's awful. And Darrell, um, he was in line. From one to two o'clock, even though he prepaid and was turned away. This is—I mean, this is a PR nightmare. Well, and it's also sort of like it's a waste of time for for creators who have probably limited budgets for this kind of thing. Right. You know, like like if you're an indie guy or you're you've got your own book or you know, you know, it's a big deal to take a trip and and go do this thing and try to sell some stuff. And when this happens, like you're kind of wasting your money. In a, in a little bit, if like you said, like if you don't, if you can't shop, then you're not going to buy any product. And it's just well, there was a lot it. of shopping going on, uh-huh. and I've read that the dealers and the comics shops that had booths did really well. Well, that's good. 
Um, it just for me, it just didn't. It wasn't an atmosphere I wanted to be shopping in. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be shoved around the entire time. And I, you know, the artist alley were a lot where a lot of the indie guys were with their books. And I know you like going and browsing that section when you're at the con. And I like to take a look. And it just that was a, that was the six foot aisle. You couldn't stop. That you know that it was just it was just a mess. It was a mess. It was it was. I don't know. It was it was just a disaster. I, I hope, I really hope they do a different, a completely different job next year. If uh, they have one at all. Well, I mean, if it was financially successful, they'll do it again, and and they'll, you know, maybe they'll they'll learn from their lesson. You'd think they'd have done some research, you know? Like we went to San Diego, it was like this. We should or do use that. their brain. I guess. I would I would ask if anybody attended or attempted to attend the New York Comic Con this weekend to send us your stories because I'd like to. I'm really personally. Just kind of angry and curious about this whole thing. I'd like are, to are you saying right now on the podcast that you're going to start your own convention? I am. <laughs> I only have my little apartment in Brooklyn, so it may not be able to accommodate more than 20 people. But uh, I'll try to get somebody in here. Frank Miller, maybe. I think we're. I, I think we're I, okay. I think we've groused enough about that. Okay. Um, I think that's about all we've got. Um, uh, it's a really slow we go, week, comic It's a very slow week. A lot of stuff going on in the rest of the life, so this will happen some days. But uh, the uh, Frapper map, which we always like to mention at the end, uh, is 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 a living, breathing, growing u- unit. Uh, it exists on its own now, independent of us. We're up to sixty-five. It's pretty. And now there's a little there's a little slideshow at the bottom of all the photos. I like that. I'm I'm kind of down with it. Um, there's two Patricks, though. Although it seems to stop stop when it gets to us, which is weird. I want to know who the guy is. There's the drawing of the... It's a black and white face with glasses. I like that art. Mm. You see it? No, right now I'm he, seeing the guy with the Dr. Pepper box in his head. It'll be... Give it give it a little bit. There's but, Dirk, uh, we got, Carlos. uh... Let's see. Hobo Man from Connecticut. <laughs> Andy Lawler from North Carolina. Uh, wait. Am I still up to the top? We got uh, in 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 Norwalk, Connecticut, and that's Ron's own neighborhood. It's Ron's uh, town, actually. It's Ron's. He's he's over there. We've got a we've got a, a new person in there. Doug. That's Doug, and of course the digital organist. <laughs> Jamie Lancaster, Florence, Kentucky, and John Riley, another one of our United Kingdom fans. Uh, yeah, very cool though. It's it's always fun to see that happen. I watch um, the art. That is good. It is. That's, you Dominic, my com- that's Dominic in La Mirada, California. If you want to draw my comic book, you give me a call. And he's in California. Look at that. I know. It's beautiful. Dominic, um, gosh, no. Let's see. Um, and I'll, if you want to send us an email this week, uh, or, you know, anytime, uh, contact at ifanboy.com. You send it for questions, praise, uh, we like We like discussion topics. Those have yielded some interesting discussions. I definitely. Especially the uh, comic book ad discussion. But the site's still going pretty good, and people are coming on and commenting and chatting, and there's some there's some arguments. And one of the things that I really like about our website is that um, when people disagree, they disagree and argue uh, very nicely. And we have we have yet to experience any of that web bullshit. Yeah, uh, it's very intelligent people. discussion, and there's a lot of there's a lot of differing opinion. We've had a, I mean, no one Tons. in here. There's not a lot of consensus on a lot of things, and uh, but it's all done really inte- really well, really politely and intelligently, and. Minds are changed occasionally. It's very nice, and the the one thing is that we keep that we keep hearing is that people are are listening to other people and listening to the podcast and buying new books and finding new comics we like and they like, and that is just the bestest. 
I will say this. Um, my opinion is always right, though. Um, if you disagree with me, you're wrong. It would be if it weren't, in fact, completely flawed from the get-go. All right. Well, that's my, <laughs> my my idea, anyway. I know. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. And we'll be back later, hopefully with Ron, and we'll add a little th- dynamic of the third... Uh, the third person back into this. And hopefully because, next week will be more of an up week. I mean, this was this was a downer. There wasn't many comics out. The whole they, New York thing blew up. Just they don't need they don't need to know that. Don't let them behind the curtain. Sorry. The, the wizard must maintain his integrity. Damn it! Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> well, thanks, guys. See you later. Bye bye. We are building a religion. We are building it bigger.